0: in the left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch, oh, in the right field, Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field, struck well, Marisnyk going back, at the wall.
1: And welcome inside episode 38 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayres, and this week, in honor of the Phillies and the success they've had this postseason, we have a twofer for you. Thanks to Colin Thompson and The Colin Thompson Show. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. We have two interviews for you guys. The first one will be with veteran Phillies sports reporter Leslie Goodell. She covered the Phillies during their heyday in the late 2000s, and Tom McCarthy, now a recurring guest, Philadelphia Phillies broadcaster, all to talk about the Fightins and the incredible run they've had this postseason. But... Before we get to those two, this episode is brought to you by our friends at SOM Sleep. Are you having trouble getting enough sleep at night? Because SOM Sleep has you covered. The scientifically advanced SOM snack includes ingredients that are naturally found in your body like GABA, magnesium, and melatonin. Sleep is the best form of recovery, and it's helped people everywhere take their game to the next level. It's simple. All you have to do is drink one serving just 30 minutes before you go to bed, and your body will naturally calm itself down. Other sleep supplements leave you feeling groggy in the morning, but not SOM Sleep. Wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day. Go to GetSOM.com, click SHOP, and enter the code BATS, that's B-A-T-S, at checkout for 10% off of your entire order of SOM sleep. Now here's Leslie Goodell.
2: All right, so we're back on another episode of the Colin Thompson Show, mixed cross-pollinating with our friends at Breaking Bats, a not-for-long-media production. It's Red October. It's MLB playoffs. I, I'm stealing some of Breaking Bats' thunder, bro. I feel I, I feel bad. I I got... Two rock stars on. We had Tom McCarthy on earlier. Now we have the great Leslie Goodell on. I got to follow that. Oh, T Mac, live from San Diego.
3: That's great.
2: Any good T Mac stories?
3: Oh, do I have any? I don't really have any. There's a big difference between Harry Callis and Tom McCarthy (laughs) in the in the eventful story section. You can tell.
2: What's your most memorable Harry Callis story?
3: Oh, Harry and I. Put a few back at the bar at, i think every harry Callis story starts with that by the way harry and i put a few back at the bar at the grand hyatt new york um and there was a day when i was like do i want to do like baseball play you know play by play like that there weren't any women doing it at the time and um we 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 charted the course and then i decided i wasn't doing it that's how long we sat at the bar it was like there's no way i can do this <laughs> you know it was one of those that it was just it was going to be a long road uh, i mean we went through every stage of the game and uh yeah harry harry was terrific
2: that's great that's great and one more for me before i send it over to brian here but it's funny like i said it to you before when you're on your show i said it to tom too and like voice of my childhood but really like brian and i grew up watching comcast Sportsnet. And you were on it and you were fantastic. And you covered some of the best, you know, Philly sports memories. But really, for me, it's you and the Phillies will always ring home. And those awesome years where we were in high school and just all these awesome memories. You look back on, you know, those times together, you know, those times, excuse me, with the Phillies and and the success and how they were built and the manager and the players and the star power what are some of the takeaways, you know, the Phillies are going on a great run now, but what were some of your takeaways from that huge run? It was like a decade long, let me a little less than that, but half a decade plus long of success. And then you a world championship,
3: you know, you saw it build, right? You had Scott rolling. Um, You'll get a kick out of this. I actually talked to Scott uh, a couple of weeks ago because I was um, s- sitting in for Greg Murphy on glove stories and I was trying to get Scott as a guest. And Scott texted me and said, my life is really good without podcasts in it. <laughs> and I said, Scott, like, that's not a no, right? And we ended up talking for quite a while. And I said, you get into the Hall of Fame and I'm coming. Like, that'll be my first ceremony. And I, he'll get in. I, I'm, I'm certain he's going to get in. Um, so you had Scott, right. And that was, and then Schilling and, and you had what you thought was the makings of the foundation of, 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 the next generation. And, you know, here's a story for you that, um, I've only shared a couple of times, but you know, Pat Burrell, I had met after he was, um, drafted and he was at the, uh, he was at the rookie all-star game. Yeah, I mean, the rookie, he was at the all-star game in Boston in 99 in the futures game. And uh, and he came out with a bunch of us. I introduced him to some people. So when they were interviewing for managers, um, there was, you know, the, it was when Boa got the job. Uh, so this was before that, I believe. Um, I had invited, we were going out, Darren Dalton was interviewing too. So we had, uh, I was friends with Darren and his wife, Nicole, and we were all going out to dinner. So I invited Pat to join us too. And they had not met, right? They had just met that night. And it was like, there were about, there were six or seven of us at the table, but you would have thought there were only two of them. It was Pat Burrell and Darren Dalton. And it was like, it was Pat's initiation to leadership. They were talking about what it was going to be like when Darren got the job. And of course Darren didn't get the job. Um, But it was like that, you know, the night you watched a friendship forge um, and then a leadership role for Pat Burrell, which you fast forward. There's also, um, you know, Jimmy Rollins and his place in it. Jimmy Rollins was the first of the 08 team, the you know, the longest tenured of the 08 team. So I was there before him and I went out with Ryan Howard. So I was with every one of those guys throughout their career on that 08 team they went while they were with the Phillies. And you just saw the evolution of each guy, but you, you kept thinking it was gonna happen, right? Bobby Abreu and, you know, then they trade Bobby. And and you know, you just saw guys come through. You saw like Doug Glanville. What a great hitter he was when he was with the Phillies. And then you know he moves on, and you just keep thinking, oh, they lost some good pieces. How are they gonna, how are they gonna win? You know, if they keep if they keep trading away, and you know Pat Gillick was a genius. You look back on that. You look back on that time, and you had your homegrown talent, right? You had, you know, Carlos Ruiz was a uh, an amateur uh, uh, free agent, um, but you had um, Rollins and Utley and Burl and, um, uh, I, I, but then you so look, many, yeah, so many of them. But then you look at Jason Worth, who was basically cast aside by the Dodgers. Shane Victorino, who was a Rule Five draft pick. You had Pat, I mean Matt Stairs, designated for assignment in Toronto. Like. He took people that a lot of people went, why would you take him? Or, you know, who is this guy? And they came together. And that's what I'm seeing with this team now is I see this team coming together in such a way where they they've all come from different places. There's a lot of homegrown talent, but, you know, it's a hodgepodge of guys and really young ones, too. that are really carrying the load.
2: It's a great group. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> No, that's
4: awesome. That's funny. You mentioned two of my favorite Phillies from back then were Scott, Scott Rowan and Darren Dalton. And, you know, my dad loved Scott Rowan and how he played. So I always grew up with that, too. But I don't really I was so young. I don't really remember wa- watching Darren Dalton play. But yeah. I loved Darren Dalton it's to, this, like, to this day. Anytime I hear a name, it cracks me up. So it's just cool to hear those stories. But
3: he was a good <clears throat> dude. Really good dude. Yeah, and it's funny because people liked him, right? For all different reasons. Women liked him for different reasons than men did. (laughs) (laughs) There was, but he was just—I mean, he was just as genuine a person as you could ask for. I mean, he really was. And um, he went through some hard times after not getting that job, which was hard to watch. Um, But ultimately, met Amanda and married—you know—just an amazing woman. And then, of course, you know everything changed with his health. Um, but just to the end, like a really positive, upbeat guy.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh <clears throat> good stories. Um, so what, you know, Oh wait, like, like Colin said, we were in high school. It was amazing especially, you know, me, that was my dream playing baseball. So it was really amazing for me.
2: Brian was partying and having fun. Cause he was an older guy. I was like and- the young kid. I was like the young kid who like didn't really know what I was doing yet. I wish it was my senior year, man. It would have been a problem. Probably good for my it was, health. And-
4: it was my junior year. So, okay. But, but I we did have some fun. We went down yeah. to the parade, <laughs> me, Fran, Doc, you know, the whole crew. And uh, it was – Colin was also unfortunate because it was football season by then, obviously. <laughs> And he could not miss, he could not skip out on school that day. So the only people in school that day were the football players, I'm pretty sure.
2: I skipped out. I went to the parade.
4: Oh, he did it anyway. There you go.
2: Me and John (laughs) Vacari were down, down at City Hall, and we were supposed to be at this beautiful suite across the street on Broad Street and be up top and watch the game, all you can eat, this whole thing. We couldn't cross the street because we didn't get there early enough. So it ended up being a horrible situation. I'll never forget it. i want to take away from your your question, oh, Brian. But, I love it.
3: Everybody's got yeah. a different perspective of the whole thing, yeah. right?
2: No, it was great. I'll, I'll never forget
4: it. I. Well, and you so, know, this
3: is something that if you think about it, by the way, you know, Pat Burrell was on at the front of that parade, right? And everybody was like, why is Pat on? People were like, why is – Like he truly was the leader in that clubhouse. I mean, you had your leadership on Jamie Moyer with the pitching staff and, um, and, and Chase Utley was, you know, just the, the quiet leader in the clubhouse. Um, It's funny. I asked one guy, I'm like, is Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Rollins later? We we let Jimmy think he is, Um, (laughs) but Jimmy, but Jimmy definitely led in his own way. And, you know, it, there was a it, it was a group that each kind of had their assignments, right? I mean, Brian, you know what it's like. It's like you're, you you got your lane with the players that you relate to or that you play the same positions with and and it was just one of those teams that it, but overall Pat Burrow was the leader in that clubhouse and that is why Pat was at the front of the parade. And it's funny that you know people didn't a lot of people were like, "Why is it?" but didn't really think about it. He truly was the leader in that clubhouse.
4: I love hearing all these names because it just brings back, like, so much for me. It's just – it's really cool. And, obviously, you talk about Jamie Moore and the pitching staff. Obviously, that staff was just amazing. Do you see any similarities between the 08 team and this year's Phillies team that's on this run of the postseason? Well,
3: I'll tell you a drastic difference is the bullpen. You don't have a Brad Lidge in there, and Mm. you're just crossing your fingers every time. You know, I like Dominguez and the – um, in the closer role, but gosh, nobody's a lock, right? I don't like well,
2: Robertson was, and then he popped his calf.
3: Oh, but there is a br- lock. There's no Brad Lidge on that. There's no, you yeah. know, there was there, Ryan Madsen to Brad Lidge, one of the best bullpens in baseball that year. Um, it, it just you had Scott Air, yeah. I mean, there was a, a Chad Durbin, you just You had a group of guys in there that all had roles. You also had starters that went deeper, then, right? So you don't have, and and the other dramatic difference between this team and that team is that team could wear pitchers out. Like De- Jason Worth, I think you know uh, got deeper into counts than anybody in baseball that year. I mean, he he could wear. And then I mean, Brett Myers is out there, you know, fouling pitches off CC Sabathia. I mean, you just had a group of guys who uh, that that lineup. Um, when Joe Blanton's hitting home runs in the, in the world series, like, you know, something special's going on. It's just, it was an amazing group, but they had depth that this team, what I see in similarity in answer to your question, sorry, I got off track there is that you don't know who's going to step up any given day. And that to me is what a winning team, it's not the same guy every night. It's not the same superstar. There's, you know, there's the Mr. Octobers of the world. Well, there's only a couple of those. But, you know, you're not going to see a Reggie Jackson or Derek Jeter type of a player stand out on this team. Um, It's going to be a contribution from different guys. Uh, You know, obviously you have your stars. But I think you're going to see different guys contribute.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to kind of unpack with this team. You were at a game not too long ago. Can you tell us about the atmosphere?
3: It was awesome because it was the first game I've ever been to, playoff game I've ever been to as a fan. I was there with my son <laughs> and my daughter in right field. Neil Hartman was sitting about five seats to the side of me. I'm like, hey, Neil! And we had the best time. Um, uh, uh, Matt Olsen's home run landed right behind me, and I think my my kids think that it was the St. Joe's baseball team, so that you know that gives you an idea of the age and and these guys were so excited we're looking at i'm pulling up the video i'm like look look and they're like oh my god like it was just so cool and then of course he threw it back which was cool but (laughs) it was like we were right out there there's beer flying everywhere and i'm experiencing it with my kids and you know i posted a couple videos but they don't do it justice i mean and it reminds – people are talking about, oh, it's loud, loud as it's ever been. It was really loud during the Phillies' postseason runs. And, in fact, it was actually loud every game of the year because they sold out for so many years straight. Um, I think – I know I'm jumping all over the place, but it's making me think of other things. The That team in 08, there was consistency in the lineup and that you saw – a lot of the same guys, You, they were a lot of stars, right? Between Utley and Howard and Rollins and Chooch and, you know, the guy, Cole Hamels and guys on the pitching staff. There were, uh, you know, there were top to bottom a lot of name guys everybody was familiar with. This team has been, I don't know, maybe call it an acquired taste because you haven't really known them. Some of them, were, you know, came up this year. Some of them- They've been acquired, were, really. Yeah, have been have truly been acquired, right? So I think people are just getting to know these guys. But what this team has done that has impressed me so much, that, you know, Colin, your, your generation, Brian, your generation, are the, they, they've engaged in social media. They have let people in, right, in ways that you didn't have access in 08. If we'd had our phones out videotaping at that time, it just would have been awkward. It was just not what you did then, right? I mean, there were cameras in there. But these guys, got they've got their music list, and they've got, and then they go to Xfinity Live, and like, they're one with the people out there. Like, unbelievable, just really unbelievable. I, and that is a testament to this team's understanding of what it means to be in touch with the fans. And I think the fans are embracing that in a big way.
4: No doubt. That's all well said. And what <clears throat> is there any besides the World Series? Is there any favorite moment or one moment that sticks out to you from that 08 team?
3: Yeah, actually more than the World Series, believe it or not. you and And everyone thinks it's the World Series. But when they won the World Series, we were lined up under the tunnel waiting to get on the field. We were all watching it on a TV about this big in the corner of, like, you know, underground at Citizens Bank Park. And you're feeling and you hear it, right? You're feeling it, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm not out there. Um, I will never forget them winning it in, in 07. They got over a hump, right? And it was funny because then they got their clocks cleaned by Colorado right away. But it was like they the next year when they when they got in and they won the division it was like okay act like we've been here before there wasn't a big celebration there wasn't it was like you saw a different mentality in the way they approached it but in 07 when they won to get over the hump um the the, the euphoria in that clubhouse uh i didn't come out with this i, I single dry spot on my clothes and, um, I learned my lesson and, you know, champagne in the eyes and all of that stuff. But wow, that was the coolest. Um, uh, that was the coolest moment for me.
2: So there's a couple of things that I, I want to remember here. One, Brian, there's a great story when Leslie gets off, Leslie gets off. I'll talk about my uncle's brother sneaking onto the field for the championship parade and having handing you drinks, Leslie, he snuck on with, nice. the, with behind the Victorino family and party. That's the story, but I'll tell him in, in depth, um, what else are they gonna unpack there, man? This is what happened to me early too, Brian. I got a million <laughs> things I'm trying to unpack and get it going. It's not professional of me, is it? Nah, no, no, it's Temple,
3: good.
2: Temple Media, grad, But there's so much. There's so much to unpack too. I think, uh, really, what I wanted to talk about was and growing the brand of baseball and 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 growing it to like Brian was on earlier. We we're talking about NFL and how they display their players, NBA how they display their players. The MLB can improve with that. And the NHL can improve with that as a hockey fan. Um, And I want to hear your opinion on it. But I do think this, the 08 team, because there's some more homegrown players, there was just so many people to wrap your arm around. I think every uh, – people like the same people. Don't get me wrong. But, like, everybody liked one of the main three or main four. Cole, Jimmy, Chase, Ryan. Like, everyone had their guy. And everybody loves Chase, right? But, like, everybody had another guy. Yeah. Everybody had, like, Carlos Ruiz. Like, my dad – Loved him. He's like this guy can call a game. He's timely hitting. He's like the perfect catcher. He's affordable. Like, and then like people love like Jason Worth or like Pat Burl, who was like still so solid. Like there really was like one player on the team like Pedro Feliz that really was just kind of there in
3: so third cute. base. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. So, but other than that, everyone else was like this crazy star. And I just thought those teams like I just remember like the euphoria. I went to the I think game two a really cold game. I went to a Flyers game at one o'clock on Saturday and then went to game two when they won, uh, I guess they beat Tampa. And I just remember just like these big brands and these big names and walking down to this bank park and that the big posters of the players and just like the branding. I'm not saying it's gotten worse or better. I just know it's not where it should be. Leslie, you're someone who's in this field, this branding marketing field. If you had to put your thumb on it, what has happened or what can improve, what do you think it would be?
3: Well, I think that players are their own brands and they're responsible for their own marketing anymore. And I think that um, I I think that baseball, uh, especially the stars, make so much money. Let's use Mike Trout, for example. Right. Like Mike Trout is as generic a guy as you're going to find if you put him someplace where he's not expected to be. And I bet he barely ever gets recognized in certain areas. It, and it's just but. Does he care? I mean, I don't think he does. Right. And I think that there is a, um, I don't know, Brian can speak to this more than me, but I think there is a, um, there's a full team mentality in baseball that doesn't allow for a star as much as some of the other sports do. Like if you act like a star in the clubhouse, it it I I think it can cause fractures on a baseball team that it doesn't cause on others in other sports. I I could be wrong. I mean Brian, I'm actually interested in what you think.
2: Yeah.
4: No, I think that's a good point. I think baseball is a game where it's it's cliche, but like you stink so much, you know, you're worse. You're seven out of ten times right, you make an out. So it's like it's hard are not smart to be as cocky or i don't know I'm as loud as some football players or basketball players because whenever they go out there you know if you're that good you're doing really well every time you play the game right but
3: baseball, you baseball that could be streak you don't want to mess with this yeah. <laughs> the baseball gods get you and it's exactly. a tricky game too right like hey yeah. you, you have really good eight, eight, all you have to do is look at baseball reference and look at guys months and you could yep. tell when guys get hot consistently throughout their career if they've got a body of work to look at. The numbers yep. tend to be very consistent. So that's a good point, Brian.
4: It's, and then like specifically talking to Trout, yeah, he's definitely just a low key guy to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I think, but I think more so than that, for him, being with the Angels and just the struggles that they've had as an organization has hurt that brand that you're talking about for him too. Or just the fact that people would know him more if he was playing for the Phillies or if he was, you know, if he was playing for the Phillies, you tell me Mike Trout wouldn't be like a superhero in Philly, South Jersey, like playing home like that. It, I mean, it would be huge, but yeah, the angels they've tried, they've spent money and they've tried, but it just has not worked out. So oh, I know. I've
3: worked in TV in LA. Like, I worked two years in TV in LA and I got recognized like three times. I worked two weeks here in Philly and I walked down the street, people like, Leslie, and I'm like, hi, do I know these? Oh my God, they're watching our show. Like <laughs> completely different, right? A completely different um, scene. But I think back to what you said though, Colin, you could be a known commodity. You could be somebody people know, but you're, you're not working the brand the way that I think athletes in other sports can work it. I mean, Hockey, not as much, but, you know, um, yeah, I just think they, but the more people are engaged in social media, the more that they let people into their lives to the extent that, I mean, Colin, you and I've talked a lot about this. Like, it's telling enough of your story will people where people feel like they know you, yet still maintaining enough of your privacy. And... Um, I just think baseball players make a whole lot of money. And if you don't, then you don't feel like you're going to be the guy out there doing it. And I, they don't need any more money.
2: Yeah. I, just, I, I think too. Yeah. I, I it, No, but Brian's laughing at the money part. I think to me, I think the as someone who's an outsider, who has been around players that make a lot of money in football and interact with social media, whether it's their brand or not, but they do it because they know it's good for, themselves good for the game good for the team good for the brand all those things I think the great point is the failure of baseball Mm -hmm. the constant failing it's a great football and you're visibly failing like I'm at the plate (laughs) it's the playoffs everybody sees it like and again does that matter no but you know everyone sees it oh it does
3: matter it does matter though it's why the sport is having trouble getting young people to play it yeah,
2: there's a lot of failure.
3: Failure is not, um, you know, my son's generation. Failure will send you to another sport. Like yeah. uh, it, it's they just the resiliency factor is not there. Um, That's like, interesting.
4: Really, I do like. I like the point that Leslie said too about money because Trout is his contract is three hundred and whatever you know whatever it is he's probably like. Why, why do I even care about being right. popular or endorsements or anything? It doesn't, I don't need it to help me make more money. Like I'm good. And a lot of the other guys are probably like that way. That's why it's so kind of unfortunate. Like when Fernando Tatis Jr. Comes along and was the star that they were building up. And then obviously, you know, the PD things happen. And now whether his story is true or not, it doesn't really matter because that whole image is, kind of tarnished so it's like where his baseball was pushing him where they go into next you know Shohei Otani and and blowing him up is like baseball needs that guy to come along and it's like Tatis was it and now we don't know if that's uh if that's it anymore so I thought that was good
3: who is the the most probably the most recognized talked about player in the last 15-20 years I mean, you can argue Alex Rodriguez just made Rodriguez, the news. yeah, and not a lot of people like Alex because of his <laughs> showboat style, right? So there is again, that's baseball. I think it's a put you in your place kind of sport. You are not too good for anybody else on this team, and it, you know, there is just a real team mentality. It's not a standout star mentality.
2: In football, we live in the world of like a 75%, 80% grade out in the game. We get graded on our blocks and our whatever. You get graded. And, and hopefully you do better. And some days you're going to do worse. But you're around 70% as a player. Maybe maybe a little less. Depends. But it's, any given Sunday, you're in that range. If right. a baseball player is hitting 700, right, that guy can do what he wants. Right? Like, he can showboat. He can – like. But again, the baseball gods—it's just there's a lot around it. Like Brad Lidge, the right youth, perfect season.
4: Mm-hmm. There's a
2: lot of balls that bounced his way yeah. in big games that led to that perfect season. Right. It, you know, it's it's a unique game too, because such a skill set sport. It's a team sport, but it gets real individualized real quick when it's you and a you and a pitcher. So yep. you can hide in football. Now the film yep. won't hide, and you may lose your job. But. You, you can hide in football, especially in younger years. So it's interesting about youth failure, how that blends into marketing. That's good stuff. That's yeah. great stuff. Leslie, as we wrap up here, because you got to warm up before the Phillies game, because you had a cold day of golf. If the <laughs> Phillies win the world series, yeah. if, a, do you think they're going to ha- make a nice run? And if you do, what's the impact on just kind of Philly sports that this is kind of just it's just blowing up. It's been on this track for a while now, but it's blowing up. If they win, One yep. game
3: at a time. One game at a time.
2: I love it. I you love it. You can't
3: think ahead. You got to win tonight. Um, I, I, I'm i having a difficult time envisioning the Phillies being in the world series, not because I don't think they're capable of it, but that's just, I, I think all the, literally all these years in sports and even as translated to what I think in life right now, I really don't, I'm not capable of thinking that far ahead. If the Phillies get there, no matter what happens with this Phillies team, it's been a hugely successful year. They have a manager everybody's excited about. They have a young group of guys that everybody's excited about. They've already won, right? They've already done what this city needs to get them to the next level where they're going to have fans come out. They're going to have people come out next year. You're going to see the residual effect. It's what – uh, the bigger effect to me is how do you build on this no matter what happens this year because anything they do from here on out is a successful season
2: i think they're going to attract some free agents that's for sure because now yeah. they know it's for real it's a fun place to play people are seeing red october great market and they have a bunch of money
3: yep totally agree.
2: leslie goodell thank you for joining our breaking bats and colin thompson show collaboration um, nice, guys. go phillies and uh, have a great night
1: all right, you too. Thanks. And thank you to Leslie Goodell for coming on the podcast. And before we get to Tom McCarthy, we have a word from the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the Original Fudge Kitchen. It's a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The Original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in store, guaranteeing a delicious product. So stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media sent you. Um, I'm a huge fan of their Instagram. I talked about it last week the orig- at the Original Fudge Kitchen on Instagram. Uh, We are deep into fall, it is spooky season, and the original Fudge Kitchen is your home for all of your Halloween treats, pumpkins, pumpkin pie fudge, yummy gummy eyeballs. I mean, it's fantastic the work they're doing at the original Fudge Kitchen uh, to celebrate fall, Halloween, and spooky season, so definitely check them out. But if you aren't able to visit in person, they ship all across the country, so be sure to check them out at fudgekitchenswithans.com, that's fudgekitchenswithans.com. The original Fudge Kitchen is, of course, shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now, here's Tom McCarthy.
2: What is going on, everybody? It is officially Red October. Padres fans would not claim it, Red October. And the rest of the fans that have lost, uh, the Mets fans in particular, <laughs> hello, Mets fans. Uh, I am joined today by the great Tom McCarthy, Phillies broadcaster for decades now. Is that fair? Decades? <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, it makes me feel old, but yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> decades. Northeast. Philly, Jersey's finest, and also Brian O'Grady with Breaking Bats and Pro Baseball Player. How you doing, Brian?
4: Good man. Good to uh good to be here and good to see you again, Tom. You guys too. What part yeah, of the pretty- world are you in right now? I just got back home okay. to Florida on uh a week ago.
0: Oh, okay. Yep, very so happy.
2: Brian is back. Brian is back from uh playing in Japan. Again, check out Brian Justin Ayers. On the Breaking Bats podcast. This is a joint effort with the Breaking Bats podcast, the Colin Thompson show. It's it's playoff baseball. And you know, I, I don't have a ton of baseball guests on because our baseball show is killing that. But Tom's a friend, a great guy. The quick story how I met Tom for those that don't know. Um, Tom's a broadcaster for the Phillies after Harry Callis became the kind of the voice of my childhood. And I'm with the Bears, and I look down the sideline. I'm on the practice route with the Bears, and Tom's there because he's going to do interviews with Mark Sanchez or Mitch Trubisky or Mike Glennon, maybe it was at the time, and talk to the Bears guys for a Christmas Eve game against yeah. the Browns at home. And uh, I was like, I got to go meet Tom. I'm going to meet Tom. What, am I, what, what do I have to lose? So I like kind of barged my way into the media meeting, and now we met, and now you've been on, on our show. So I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been it's quite cool. the journey. I-,
0: I told a story the other day about that game. So I had to be home. My wife said... You can do that game, but you cannot miss Christmas Eve mass. So I walked in to the mass at 10 o'clock that night in Jersey. Um, I don't know how we did it, to be honest with you. I don't know how. I had my boys with me, too. They were spotting and doing stats. And we we walked in. Literally, the priest was waiting before he started the mass at 10 o'clock. It was pretty funny.
2: Do you ever journal these things down, Tom? Like, I I think that's my one regret is, like, I wish I'd journaled some of the craziest days I've had in sports because I would look back and laugh. Like, when I'm, like, tired in the offseason, I've done, like, two things. and I see my day, I'm like, I haven't stopped moving since 5 a.m.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I thought about that the other day because there are a couple of them. I remember doing a Rutgers game when I did Rutgers radio, and I had to do the Phillies uh, pre- and in-between games of a doubleheader on the radio, too. So I was doing the Rutgers game, and it was going into overtime. And the game finished five minutes before I was supposed to go on the air to do the Phillies pregame show. And uh, I'm doing the pregame show, and it's raining in Cincinnati, I think it was. So I had to then take phone calls. And I had a bunch of people from the Rutgers game call in and say, I'm not really sure how you're doing this right now, if you know what I mean, because I'm on two different radio stations. I mean, it was just funny. That kind of stuff is funny.
2: It's funny man it is great it is awesome and that it's a fun part about the job and being involved in sports everything's yeah. up in the air you got to roll with it where are you at now what is your schedule looking like today
0: so i'm in san diego uh, i got to be over at the ballpark at two and um start doing some interviews meet with rob thompson philly rob as uh people call him um and just get kind of ready for today's game I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it weather's awesome here uh, i've been up since 4 30 because i can't get adjusted to the time Brian knows something about that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been great. It's been great. It's been great.
4: Man, Tom, I'm definitely a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. It's uh San Diego is great place that weather you're talking about is uh, absolutely phenomenal, but you know, it's funny for me because obviously I grew up in Philly, so Philly still have a soft spot, soft spot for them. And then, you know, my last MLB team was a Padres. So I know most of those guys on that team and uh, it's pretty cool, but, do you think there's going to be any not nervousness, but San Diego has been so amazing. I know Philly has yeah. too, with with uh, the crowds and everything since the playoffs started. And San Diego, all they have is the Padres now. So do you see that home field advantage, you know, really turning any any uh, momentum there for the Padres?
0: Well, I, I know what it did for us against the Braves this past weekend. I mean, Citizens Bank Park is, is raucous when uh, it's postseason time, and they hadn't been there in 11 years. So I, I heard it was pretty uh, intense here when in the Dodgers series. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, here's the thing. Like, game one, to me, this is just my experience as a guy watching it. Game one seems to go by so fast. You know, th- there's, like, butterflies, you know, people. There's, like, weird stuff that happens. Um so well, I'm interested to see how both teams kind of if they're acclimated to the postseason and if there's a little bit more of a, a relaxation uh, going into this game compared to, let's say, Philly's game one against the Cardinals and game one against the Braves. Uh, I'm interested to see how that's going to work today. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think I think the crowds at both places can lift up the teams. I know what happened last weekend in Philadelphia, and I'm sure it's going to happen here in San Diego.
2: Yeah, you've said it before how great Citizens Bank Park gets yeah. at its peak, at its highest. And it is really amazing. Like, I talk to people about it all the time because people ask me from Philly. And I'm like, listen, folks, like, I'm from Philly. I get I get it. I see it. I saw it when we were here in Carolina last year. And the Eagles played us. And it was like yeah. a home game for the Eagles. And we went silent cadence the whole fourth quarter. We had people jumping off sides. Like, we didn't practice silent cadence all week. We're at home, right? So... I understand all that. I think the question for me when I look at this and I look back so I remember 2018 and the big free agent, the monsters of Bryce Harper mm-hmm. and Manny Machado. And you're just looking back and you're like, you know, people are arguing, do you trade for Manny and then sign him? And then Bryce is coming available. He's not going to leave Washington. And then Washington and up winning the next year. But Philly, 13 years, 330 million for Harper. And then mm-hmm. Machado, 10 years, 300 million. Right. So these mega deals, who is – won those signings and then who's more important to you know each franchise in this playoff series
0: yeah it's a good question i actually think both teams have made out on the signings because i think as much as i i think manny is a wonderful player i mean he is he's awesome he's a generational type talent Uh, i think he's right where he needs to be in san diego and i think the same with bryce i think bryce could have fit anywhere but he fits philadelphia so um, i've always said to people that he's the least of the phillies issues like he is the least of the Phillies' issues, um, so I, I think both have kind of won that one. I really do, uh, and and I think it's it's worked out. I mean, for both cities, it's it's a lot of cachet, but it's it. Bryce's Bryce been worth every penny of it. He really has.
4: I that's that's a that was a great question, Colin, and I think that's a phenomenal answer. Both guys have definitely. Lived
0: up to the billing
4: there, and it's going to be a great series to watch. And staying along those lines with Harper, the last time the Phillies were in San Diego, Blake Snell yeah. hit him, and that's how he ended up on the the injured list. So, and obviously that's a big matchup there, left on left. So, what do you what do you see in the, that matchup? And Snell threw really well uh, his last outing. So, how do you think that's going to go?
0: Yeah, pitching was great in that series um, that when the Phillies and Padres faced each other here in San Diego, and it really was even. In Philadelphia, and they, their three wins are shutouts against the Phillies. Uh, Bryce talked about that yesterday. He said, you know, he's known Blake Snell for a long time. He's known him since he was like 11 years old, which is kind of weird that a lot of these guys have played together on all these travel teams the San Diego Stars, uh, yeah. Musgrove, Harper. Um, I guess Blake Snell played on a travel team with Harper too. Um, he said he's, he's not really phased by it. I, I don't think he will be. If this was his first weekend back, I mean, you know how it is, Brian. I, mean, I think he'd be a little jumpy because um, he was last year when he got hit by uh, was it Gallegos or Cabrera from from the Cardinals? One of those guys mm-hmm. he got hit in the face, so it took yeah. him some time to get back back rolling. But I think he's going to be fine. I really do. It was funny though listening to him talk yesterday about that and about the relationship that he had with all these these other guys because of um, you know because of travel ball. Uh, but I think he's going to be fine facing him.
2: Love it. I love it. This is. It's, go ahead, Brian. What do you got?
0: No, I was just gonna say the last last one
4: that I was thinking it just popped in my head. We have the the Nola versus Nola series going. Yeah, first time here, ever. Which is, first,
0: first, first time, time ever? ever. First time ever in postseason baseball. At least this is what I've been told because I our research department looked at it that a brother will pitch to a brother in a postseason <laughs> game. First time ever. Like there That's there, crazy. Have been guys, there have been guys that have faced each other, um, like Ken Boyer and Cleet Boyer, and um, Dane and Garth Orge and the Alomars when Roberto was with Baltimore, which I forgot that he played for Baltimore, uh, and Sandy was with Cleveland, but they never faced each other pitching to hitting. So, this will be the first time. It's pretty cool. I feel bad for uh, AJ and Stacy Nola, mom and dad, because I mean, AJ they wear it on their sleeves. I mean, that's that's got to be tough. It's got to be tough.
2: It is the ultimate win win, though. I mean, Brian's now a parent, <laughs> I- I'm not one yet. Yeah. But that's the ultimate win-win. Like, it stinks. Yes, yeah, so one of your sons will lose. But then you get yeah. to on this amazing journey to the World Series and be a part of that, too. And I'm sure the other brother is going to just come to the World Series. I know the Kachuk brothers were doing it in the NHL, and they're just drinking beers in the stands and having a good time. Like, <laughs> it, it's really shitty that your team won't make it to the World Series. But, hey, that's a pretty good consolation prize.
0: Well, it's funny because they, they it didn't even – I guess it – I mean, obviously, I knew the winner of this is going to the World Series. But until – they said it the other day that, that they looked at each other and said, you know, one of our boys is going to the World Series. And it, it was kind of overwhelming for them. And it's got to be. I mean, it's got to be overwhelming for them. Listen, I, I still get antsy when my son plays his independent ball games. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine watching both boys uh, face off against each other. It's got to be an incredible, incredible experience. You know, the funny thing is Austin is the overachiever. Aaron was a first round pick that was expected to be in the big leagues. Austin really had to turn himself into a big league player by going behind the plate. So it's a really cool story.
2: Yeah, that is a great story. And I want to get into Brian talking a little bit about San Diego here. But I'm going to ask you about it, T-Mac. What's the vibe in San Diego? I was out there this offseason. I'm saying a really cool, amazing place. Yeah. My uncle has the most takeoffs and landings on the aircraft carrier. Uh uh, sitting there in the harbor, so you know, so I had some it's cool right history outside right... my
0: window. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> that is un- an unbelievable. It's unbelievable Mid- taking a look at that thing. It's unbelievable. Yeah, the,
2: the Midway. Shout out to Captain Ken. Stonk, the Midway. But... Yeah, it's
0: unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, literally, it's, I'm looking at it outside my window. Um
2: <laughs> No, it's fantastic. But for me, it's it's the like. What's the vibe there? I thought it was really cool. Everybody wore Padres hats when I was out there. We went there yeah. in March, and it's like the only team really, you know, Chargers left. But everyone has the Padres hats. They're all different colors. Like, it's kind of everyone's bought on it. What's the vibe out there, Tom? And then, Brian, can you share a little bit about the fan base out there?
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, It was – it's hard to tell sometimes because there's so many conventions and people from outside of town that are here, including Philly fans that I saw when I was walking yesterday. Um, But they're definitely into it. I mean, it's – you know, we sold out in minutes. They sold out in minutes. So, I mean, they're into it just from – like walking around the town, going through the gas, like uh, gas lamp district. Um, it's there. You're right. They have nothing else. They have San Diego state. They have university, of San Diego, and they have the Padres and that's it. Um, and that to me, they have a women's soccer team. That's in the po- the playoffs now too. Um, huge! That apparently they sold out that place as well. So you know, uh, I, think, I, think I think they have dollar
2: beer night at the AAA hockey team or the not AAA, the AHL really? hockey team. I think they have the goals. I think yeah, they have a dollar beer night you know and what? get gets pack, which is great.
4: Yeah, it's a it's a great sports town, man. I mean, it's after being there, I'm I feel bad that the Chargers left, really, but it's ridiculous. It just yeah. things it, it for sure, but it just made all those teams you just named that more, that much more important to the city and especially the Padres. I mean, the Padres, those games, Van, were always fun to play in last year. The stadium's beautiful. Like you said, it's right next to the gas lamp district. So there's plenty to do down there and the weather's perfect 99% of the time. So it's just (laughs) a great, it's a, it's, I would sit there and look around. I remember standing next to Joe Musgrove and being like, man, it'd be hard to play anywhere else after seeing it, like being in this stadium all the time, because it's just a great place. And, then they just took down the Dodgers, which was the big Huge. thing for them. That that rivalry is insane, even during the regular season, and they haven't fared great until now. But the playoff, I mean, it's it's just gonna be amazing. The atmosphere is gonna be is gonna be crazy. I know Citizens Bank has been phenomenal too, but yeah, you're you're definitely gonna experience something amazing there in San Diego yeah, these days. I'm excited.
0: I'm excited about it. I mean, you know, I always wonder too, we played a lot of day games. Um Today's at 5.05 or 5.35, whatever it is, and tomorrow's at 1.35. Uh, I wonder if that's going to have any any kind of an impact because it definitely impacted Atlanta. You know, that place is raucous at night, and it wasn't as raucous during the day. Um, although what do you the think second, about those
2: schedules, Tom? I think that was crazy by the MLB, in my opinion.
0: It, well, you know, I've always been an advocate of day games in the postseason because I remember when I was a kid coming home and watching a lot of those postseason games. So... The fact that we have so many of them this year, for me, I think it's great. But I also, but I all, but I do know for people that are out and about and have stuff to do, it's not that great. Um, you know, it's it's hard for people to kind of get a chance to see it. In the east, it'll be okay because tonight it's at eight oh five or eight thirty five their time, and tomorrow it's at uh, four thirty five. So more people will get a chance to see it than they would out here in, in the west coast.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to I I went off. I had a rant about it because I just thought it could have been <laughs> a lot more Yeah, I just thought it could have been a lot more organized. I had some people come up to me too. It's funny with the podcast, you never know what people are gonna see. Yeah, like sometimes I had this great take and no one comments on it. I think it's great. And then I just complained about the MLB and everyone's like, I completely agree about that. That was BS. I sh- I was trying to watch I, I just hated how like it was Seattle who has not made the playoffs in so long and it's noon, noon. for them. Yeah, like come yeah. on, man. Like that yeah, should I've be a five o'clock. Yeah. you know eight well, And i get the I, yankees move that meter too i
0: actually but. thought i actually thought our game today would be at nine and i thought tomorrow would be a night game too because of the west coast but um yeah but now we'll fly home tomorrow after the game which is actually pretty good because then they'll have all day on thursday you know to get themselves caught up
2: who wins and why t mac uh,
0: i do think the phillies are going to win i think it's going to be in six games uh, i think that the these first two though are important because you've got wheeler and nola going against the top guys for the padres So if you can get a split here, uh, I do think we're coming back to San Diego, which I don't think is a bad thing. But um, if they get a split here, that's going to be huge for the Phillies to go home and get three games at home before they come back here. And I think it's very even offensively. Their teams are very even offensively. It's going to come down to me. I don't know if, if, Brian, if you agree with this. It's going to come down to the three and four starters uh, in the rotation, uh, and it's going to come down to the back end of the bullpen. That's, to me, the biggest thing.
4: Yeah, it's I'm so excited to watch this series honestly because both teams are coming in hot. Obviously, both teams have star power mm-hmm. and I I don't I don't see a clear winner here. I, I if you're asking me, I would go Padres because I do think the pitching is just a little bit deeper. I like like you said the three and four starters with Snell, how he's been throwing. Yep. If he if he throws that way, because of that, I like I like the Padres. But you're right; I could see this going either way, and I I really do think it's going to be the best series of the postseason.
0: Yeah, I like the matchup, the offense, the fact that the offenses are very similar. I mean, I really do. It's um, you know the Phillies got to get the top two guys going, Schwarber and and Hoskins. Hoskins started to get going in the last series at the end, but I think that's important for them to get going, particularly the right-handers against Snell. I think that's going to be a big deal.
2: Bry, before team Mac goes, he's going to be on the air. He's going to be calling these games. <laughs> can oh, you give, give him a little something about what to expect from the San Diego like Padres, like, okay, maybe like two or three pitchers that you faced in BP, maybe a, a field position player that, you know, that can bring some damage off the bench. Give him a little insight so he can talk about it on air.
4: I think some guys that that people may not know that, that Tom's probably going to see here is uh, one guy out of the pen. His name's Tim Hill who is a sidewinding half-submarine lefty that throws about 91, 92 from down there. It's lanky. He's a freak. Old Timmy, great dude. Uh, I faced him a long, long time ago in short season, and I didn't know – he struck me out. I, I'm like, where is this guy throwing from? What is going on? <laughs> and I didn't find out that it was him until spring training with the Padres that That's year. I'm so like, great. oh, my God, that was Timmy. Yeah. He was with the Royals back then. So he's, he's definitely one – uh, and then these, these unknown guys who have signed from Japan, uh, Robert Suarez coming out of the pen. Uh, yeah, the the a big yeah. His story is pretty crazy. Uh, I don't even know the whole thing. He was into like, you know, semi pro in Venezuela while he was working and then Mexico and then to Japan. And now he's out there throwing a hundred and obviously Josh Hader there, but, Two big guys. I, Timmy, I think, we will get some big outs. Might have to come in for Harper there, left on the left, and then Suarez
0: keep doing what he's been doing. Those are pretty good matchups.
4: Yeah, there you go, T-Mac.
0: 61 Ks and I, and I think 48 innings or something like that. And he wasn't here when we faced him last time. He wasn't here. So um, it is a really interesting story. I mean, listen, baseball is so crazy. You can find guys anywhere. I mean, you just got to – if you have a dream,
2: you've got to be persistent about it. Yes, it is. Yes, it is like that. Any any, and all pro sports, yeah. realistically, uh, baseball is a little more specific, right? Because you can pull club, you know, guy comes yeah. in and just throws six, seven pitches and his days is nice over. Uh, T Mac, you're on the call tonight. Are you doing radio?
0: Yeah, radio, five, uh, fifth and sixth. Uh, so Scott Fransky, me, me Scott Fransky, LA, uh, and then Greg Murphy doing the pre and post game show. So yeah, they've been nice enough to you know, slide me in to do a couple innings, which I'm really grateful for. I mean, it's. Uh, Because you know, doing TV in the regular season, most guys are done. Like they're done, they're done working at this point. And I was, I was basically planning on just being like an extra man, uh, but they were nice enough to grant me a chance to do
2: a couple innings, and uh, it's pretty cool. Well, you're the man. You're doing it for CBS for uh, football. Mm -hmm. You're doing some baseball stuff, the playoffs. It's awesome. You deserve it all, man. Tom, thanks for coming on my show. Thanks for coming on Breaking Bats. Thanks for being a friend and not for Long Media. We really appreciate you.
0: You got it, guys. Be good. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Tom. Thanks, Tom.
2: That's a great Tom McCarthy on the Colin Thompson Show, pairing up with our friends over at Breaking Bats.
1: And thank you again to Tom McCarthy and Leslie Goodell for coming on this week's episode. And also, we wanted to give a special thank you and shout out to Colin Thompson and the whole Colin Thompson Show gang for doing this whole crossover episode. It was really cool hearing Colin and Brian Kind Of tag team these episodes, they've been friends for so many years going back to outside Philadelphia. So, uh, to hear them both talk about Philly sports like that, it was really, really cool. But before we get out of here, we have two last quick things we wanted to give a shout out to Friend of the Podcast, Actions Over Words. They are an apparel brand with the mission of encouraging people to use their actions instead of their words. Founded in Cape May, New Jersey, by Alec Levin, Actions Over Words donates five dollars of each sale to different charities around the world. Check them out at actionsoverwordsapparel.com and use the promo code N4L for 10% off of your order of tees, hats, hoodies, and more. And finally, check out the Not For Long Media family of podcasts. We talked about them a lot this episode for good reason, The Colin Thompson Show. They do fantastic work over there, so be sure to check them out. Also, check out our other Not For Long Media podcasts, Two Girls, One League, and Ajis with Harry Mays and Jason Martinez. Thank you again to all of our guests this week, and we'll see you guys on Friday. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. Playing on your radio, coming through your stereo. And-